0: I'm just going to be, I'm going to be brief and uh, because then I want to have some time after so we can just enjoy each other's company after, okay? And I, I just really am excited about what God's been doing here and what he's going to continue to do here. And I just believe that uh, and trust him with all my heart for that too. But I'm going to read from John 13 and then I'm going to read from John 17, okay? Okay. John 13, verse 1, it says, Now, before the Feast of the Passover, and how many remember what that is, the Feast of the Passover? So when John, of course, when he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he's writing this, he's giving an account. He's giving an eyewitness account as a witness. He was witnessing what he was writing, but the Holy Spirit had him write these things specifically. And, but, but definitely used it. So when it says, now, before the feast of the Passover, do we remember that the Passover was brought out? We saw that. Remember when he took Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. They were in bondage for, over, for 400 years under Pharaoh. And when we think about Pharaoh, we think about how he's the type of Satan. And they were in Egypt, and Egypt all through the scriptures is a type of the world system, what's going on in the world. We'll see, for instance, why Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17 and verse 14, why he said, I am not of this world. And then he said in John 17 verse 16, those that were his, that's us, that received him as our Savior, we are not of the world. And remember, the again, just to, just to repeat uh, the truth, that that little word of means constituted of the exact same substance. In other words, every single thing about us this morning, being the fact that Christ is not, of course, he's our Savior, but he's also our life in Colossians 3, 4. He is our life. And that's why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, here's Christianity. Yet not I, but Christ. See, he's our life. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In this life, this life that I now live in my body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's a beautiful picture. We're going to see that in John 13 and John 17. How he not only paid for our sins and removed them in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, doesn't treat us after them in Hebrews 8, 12 and 10, 17. He doesn't treat us after our sins because Christ dealt with us. He dealt with those sins on Calvary, but we're gonna see his tremendous love. But when it says the Passover, remember that was what happened when Israel was 400 years in bondage under, under Pharaoh who was a type of Satan in the world system. Why? Because they disobeyed God continually. They continued to disobey his known will and his known word, because you can't separate God's will from God's word. And as a result, they were 400 years in bondage and they couldn't get out. But then God, we see in the scriptures, especially in Exodus, the third chapter, and those first five verses, he raised up Moses. And Moses, every man in the old covenant we see, is a, and when they functioned, were a type, a type of Christ. Not that they were the type, but God was revealing his work of Christ who would come. But he was revealing it through them as types. So what did he do? Israel's in bondage for 400 years. What does he do? He raises up Moses. It took him 80 years to prepare him though because we, we remember what his force, first 40 were and what he did as a result of that. He was running way ahead of God. It's very important not to run ahead of God about anything, but to be patient and to trust his love and his wisdom for us. He, he raised up Moses and after a whole process we see, we start to see that, next it is the third chapter, all the way till to, to we get to the end of the 14th chapter. He raised up Moses and then those, t- those 10 plagues that he brought against Pharaoh, he, he led them out, right? But to keep them safe, in Exodus, the twelfth chapter, and you'll see that in those first thirteen verses, you'll see where the blood was to be, to take. they'd take the, the blood of an innocent victim, again, type of Christ, innocent victim, they would take the hyssop and the hyssop would speak of faith and they would dip it in the blood and, and put it on the two side posts and on the lentil. And then they would go inside and they would feast on the lamb with bitter herbs, it says, but they would feast on the Lamb. And then when the death angel would come, which would speak of judgment, they would be safe. All of that is a type of who we are in Christ. We're safe. There is no judgment for us. Right? Because it's, he's, he's dealt with it. So, of course, in that way, there's no judgment for us, is there? No. No. Loving chastisement when we disobey? Yes, but it's not paying us. He's he's not making us pay for our sins. He already did that on, on on Calvary. He's loving us that are His. He's disciplining us back into a place where He can just, again, pour His love on us and we can function properly as children. That's what it's saying here. And that's the picture that John, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, Now, before the feast of the Passover, When Jesus knew that his hour was come. You know when it says he knew that his hour was come? Luke 22 and verse 53 calls it the power of darkness. When uh, the enemy, through the Roman government, and the backslidden Jewish, Jewish people, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. And by the way, separate... The Pharisees hated the Sadducees, the Sadducees hated the Pharisees, and the the Essenes hated both. But they all became one in going against Christ. (laughs) Very interesting, very, very interesting. It's just how the world operates, see? Because God is not a God of religion at all, okay? He's the God of relationship, and we have a relationship in him and only through Christ. And we relate to other. So how, so then, how should we relate to each other? How should we relate to each other on a continual basis? We're going to see that right here. So when we get to John 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, what was his hour? To go to the cross and have all of our sins placed on him and then have the wrath of God poured out in dealing with our sins that were on him so that he could remove them. We could receive him as our savior. The fact that our old nature, our old selves was crucified in Romans chapter six, one through six, we've been crucified. As far as God's concerned, we've been crucified in Christ, thank God. And then all our sins are dealt with. That was his hour. I love what it says, when he knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. You know what that's saying? If he hadn't paid for our sins, if he hadn't dealt with the justice of God and his love and and, and being the sin sacrifice and then paying for our sins, would he have risen from the dead and gone up to be with his father if it hadn't been accepted? Means of our acceptance is in Christ. How should we treat one another on a continual basis? That's very key how we should treat one another. And so again, his hour was come. I love when it says that. His hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. And look what it says, having loved his own. That's everyone here that's received Christ. That's That's who it is. Having loved his own, which were in the world, notice in, but not of it, he loved them unto the end. What's that? Unto the end means this. Unto our end here and our eternal beginning with him. We have eternal life right now. We're not waiting to get eternal life. We have eternal life in 1 John 5.11. That eternal life is Christ himself. We're not waiting for eternal life, but we sure are waiting for our eternal beginning face to face with him in 1 Corinthians 13.12. How should we face each other? Should we face each other apart from who we are in Christ? Should we deal with each other in any issue apart from who we are in Christ? Should we? And if, it's, if we're not obeying that, what is it? It's disobedience, isn't it? Because long before, if I have an issue with someone, long before I ever go to them, if I, if I am not right in my relationship with Christ and I go to them, then I go without God and I try to replace him and all I end up being is a judge. I wanna make it clear this morning, you can't force fellowship. You can't. You cannot force growth. You can't. And the the bottom line in 1 Corinthians 13, verse five, love is very, very patient and kind. So when I function in Christ in my own individuality, meaning who he made me to be in him, in Christ, and who Christ is in me, then that, when I face another, that's what I face them with, with Christ. Anything else, it's just legalism of the flesh and trying to control. Listen, if I'm not controlled by Christ in his love, then I will approach another believer as a judge. There's only one. Who's the only judge? God. Does God act towards us as a judge now that we're in Christ? Does he? He does not. He took all of our judgment. All that should have come on us, he took. Right? So when Christ is not controlling me, then then my fallen flesh is controlling me, and when that happens, I will act as a judge. And I will want people to perform, and I will use my anger, and I'll use my irritation and my suspicion to control them to get to a place where I think they need to be, because it's about me. It's not even about Christ anymore. Is it? We're gonna see that here. We're gonna see it here. Having loved his own, he loved them right to the end. Now, you know when it says here that he knew that his hour was come? Do you think that Satan and all of his demons and angels, that he was getting these people to function, like the Jews, the religious system? You know, who read, read the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even John. Who were Christ's greatest enemies? The religious crowd of the day. All they were doing, we, we've said this before, in front of Pilate, the governor, right? In front of Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor, they, they he brought out Christ. Who do you want? A robber? Barabbas? Or who do you want? Christ. And they yelled out in John 18, verse 40, not this man. You know how we act? towards believers, towards each other, when we don't function in forgiveness? You know what we're saying? To Christ in us, not this man. Nope. Well, who's going to replace him? You ever hear that? Who died and made you chief? (laughs) Who made you the object? (laughs) I'm the object. And everyone has to perform when, where, and how, and exactly I think they should. Really? That's God? That's how he treats us? Never. Never, never, never. Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. Listen to where it says that his hour was come. He knew his hour was come. We said this is what the enemy thought in Luke 23 53. It was the the power of darkness. They thought they were going to get rid of him. (laughs) Can you imagine? They, honestly, they thought they were going to get rid of him. You know? But what I love when I read in my Bible and in your Bible, because we're all Christians and it's our Bible, isn't it? Because he's given it to us. Here is 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to what it says in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He's speaking not natural. I'm not speaking to you naturally. As a Christian, I'm not speaking to you naturally with what I think wisdom is. In other words, I feel like you, uh, that you should be at this particular place, and if you're not, I'm going to deal with you. Is that how we should deal with each other? Answer? Emphatically? No. Right? Right? I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What's a testimony? You know, I'll I'll be a true witness when I function in the true love that God has for me. And when he functions in that love for me, and that's my experience, what do you suppose I'll give to someone else? Can you imagine if God never... Never continually forgave us when we failed. And and, and in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When it says there, if we confess our sins, it doesn't say we're praying for forgiveness for our sins. We're already forgiven. You can see that in Ephesians 4, verse 32. We can forgive because we're already forgiven. We're confessing. The failure and confessing that the failure is not who we are and confessing the failure that, that got in the way of the glory of Christ through me as a vessel and interfered with his love when should we not love one another? When does God not love us? Power of darkness. They thought it was the power. They thought they were going to get rid of it. Of course, that's what we'll, that's what we act like in the flesh, by the way. But look what he says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. How do we treat one another? How do we? In 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says to know no man after the flesh. Well... Because if you and I see each other in the flesh, first I have to be there, and then I'm going to be in control, and I'm going to determine where you should be, when you should be, and how you should be, when I don't even have control of myself. Is there any control in the flesh life? In the, we have the flesh in us in Romans 8 9, but we're not of it. I determine not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. What's that mean? That individual, that Christian, When I am around them and when I have anything to do with them, I see Christ. And not only that Christ was crucified, but they were crucified with him and they rose with him. Everything about them is finished. Can you imagine if when we failed, God didn't implement forgiveness to us? What is forgiveness? And, and the scriptures have brought it out to us clearly several times. It is, it is what? Forgiveness is what? The, he, once again, what? The it's the, him confirming his love for us. And when I don't forgive, and when I refuse to, and that would be the flesh, I act as a judge. We need to be very careful about that. Now... I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, and I was with you in weakness. He's an apostle. He'd been the, he went to the third heaven. But he had, he, he, he had a, a human nature just like the rest of us. And he had issues that he had to deal with too. But he said, I'm with you in weakness. In other words, I'm not above you. I'm just as weak as you. I need Christ as much as you do and I need Christ in each individual. We need Christ in each individual and we need to see each other and treat each other after how God sees us in Christ. Job 36, verse 7. Listen to this one. How about this one? God never removes his eye from the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those that are in Christ. How about that one? Should I treat someone because they fail? And by the way, I don't know about you, but I know when I do fail, uh, is my failure who I am? No. Should I make it the issue of someone else? No. Because you know why? You know when God told me a long, long time ago, he said to me, Ed, and I said, yes, God, you can't be God, but you can have me. Last thing we want to be is running around, treating each other like we're little gods, little, ju- little judges, little people that are in control of how someone even behaves. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> okay, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Why, what's he saying? I'm, I'm, I'm guarding myself like that. The issue is who, what I'm like with Christ. You know, and I went into this deeply this morning, and I I think I'm going to go into it on Wednesday night. I'm not going to do it this morning. But you know in Psalm 119, 165, you know what it says? Great peace have they that love your law. The law there, when it's saying that, it's not just the Ten Commandments. It's not saying that. It's talking about the whole Word of God. Right? Great peace have they. Why is peace so great for them? Well, because they have great love that that won that peace for them. And, and when we forgive each other, when we fail each other, when we fail God and fail each other, what do we do? Instant forgiveness and what is it? So peace again flows. And oneness flows through peace. Okay? The reality of who we are in Christ. And he said, my speech and my preaching was not in, with enticing words of man's wisdom. Meaning, I'm not trying to control you and win you through what I say. You know, like Paul saying, like, I think I'm something. I think I'm spiritually mature, and you're not not acting mature, and I feel it's my place to get you right. Nonsense. Nonsense. Okay, it's not your right. Your right is to pray if you can't have fellowship with them, and to instantly forgive them, lest, if you don't, when I don't forgive, is that sin? Yes, it is. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they that love your law, your word, and nothing will offend you. The only area that anyone can ever offend me is in the flesh. The fact that they're offending me is the area that God is bringing out that needs to be dealt with. All the while, we want to blame the other person for not living up to what we think they should. Oh, we... I don't know, what part did we play in the finished work of Christ? I don't know, last time I checked, you know what part I played? Zero. My sins were on him, period. Period. And you know what, and guess what? Who dealt with them? How dare I think that he hasn't dealt with sins? In myself or anybody else? Great peace of they that love your law. The law there, if you look at Psalm 119, and many think that, that David wrote it. I tend to believe with, with a lot of others that it was written by Ezra, brought out in, in many, many different scriptures, but it doesn't really matter. It is the inspired word of God. That's the issue. And the whole way through if you look at it, is dealing with the word of God. By the way, who is the word of God? Christ, Jesus Christ himself. In John 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning, the word, the word in the Greek is ho, h-o-v, logos, the word, that's Christ in his pre-incarnate state. Because this Bible deals with that. And is it just Christ? No. Is, Is God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit one? That's right, they're one. Three distinct, separate individuals, one in essence. We are all different, distinct individuals, but are we one in proper essence? Yes. And is it essential then, if the essence of God is love with his justice being met, then is it essential for us to function in that love life that has been made ours? Not only towards ourselves but towards every single believer, especially, Especially those that are closest to us. Great peace have they that love life. And nothing will cause them to stumble. Boy, I want to, we'll get into that on Wednesday. But we're going to wrap this up this morning with this. Again, he said, my speech in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. Remember, we're going to talk about what he thought, what, what it was, his hour was come, where it says that. His hour was come, and that's in John 13, verse 2. We also said it was the hour of the power of darkness. There are two hours here that God's going to deal with. The hour, the hour of the power of darkness, when they thought everything, their plans are going to come to pass, they're going to get rid of them, And then it was God's hour. I don't know. Whose hour do you think won? Yippee. Oh, thank you, Lord. We're more than conquerors. Listen to this one in Romans eight 37. We're more than conquerors, because everything's already been dealt with by him, and him alone. You have problems, he's dealt with them. You have issues in relationships, he's dealt with them. He has dealt with them. He has. And there's a proper way to deal with them. We're more than conquerors in Romans 8:37. Through Christ that loved us. That's right. Who wins? Who wins everything? What wins everything? Love. And I'm telling you, that's who we are in Christ. And we should never approach one another And two, we function in that love, especially other believers. Of course, the unsaved too, of course, but especially your own family. It's critical. So he said it was his hours. We're going to close this up, and here it is. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What's man's wisdom? It can be a Christian who functions in the flesh thinking they can take the word and make someone live up to what they think their standards are. (laughs) But he said, I'm not doing that. He said, no, it's in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And power. Whose power? Are we kept by the power of God in 1 Peter 1.5? Then who is the power of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24? Christ, the power of God. And the wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit taking the things of Christ through an individual and with that will submitted, speaking those things. And in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, walking as dear children in the love that God loved us with. And walk means how you function under a certain government. You know how God governs his own children? In love. In love. Look at, Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.4. And my speech was, and my preaching was not with enticing words, right? Persuadable. I'm going to try and persuade you and try and control you and make you be something for me. Ha <laughs> ha! Right? enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration, manifestation of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and of power, Christ, that your faith, your dependence, should not stand in the wisdom of men. Huh. But in the power of God, Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That word perfect in the Greek simply means complete. Everything about us is complete. That's Colossians 2.10. We're completing him. You know, in Colossians 2.9, in the King James, it says this literally, and and, and it's it's good, but let me give you the definition in the Koine Greek manuscripts. Here it is, right? He was the fullness, it says, in Colossians 2.9, of the Godhead bodily. You know what that means? The whole time he walked on the face of the earth, he was filled up with all of who God is. (laughs) Himself, God the Son in humanity, God the Father, one with Him, and the Holy Spirit. And then in 2.10 it says, when it says, and you're complete in Him, He's filled up with all of who God is, right? 2.10 means this, and you are filled up in Him. What are we filled up with? Love. Sins are dealt with. They're gone. So as we, as we close this, listen, I, He speaks wisdom unto them that are complete, yet not the wisdom of the world, listen to this one, nor of the princes of this world, those rulers, the princes of this world, right? All behaviors caused. The Pharisees that hated him, Christ, the religious crowd of the day, that handed him over to the Roman government to murder him, to crucify him, as they screamed out in John 19:15, crucify him. You know who we would say today? Murder him. And even Pilate, in John the 19th chapter, found no fault in him. (laughs) They hated him without a cause. John 15, 25. Psalm 69, verse 4. Psalm 35, verse 19. They hated God without a cause. Now, has God dealt with everything about you and I in Christ? Then where would our hatred come from? Without a cause. There'd be no cause. Mm -mm. There'd be no cause not to forgive. There'd be no cause whatsoever. Because if you don't function in love towards one another, what do you suppose you function in? Hate. I don't know. Do you hate? Do you hate the one that Christ has made his own? You have something against him? You want to hold him in prison? You want to put him on? Imagine if God treated us that way. You know, one thought of sin. In Proverbs 24, verse 9, the thought of foolishness is sin. Just the thought. One sin, and we would have been in hell forever. One. And how many has he paid for for us? Come on nor the princes of this world that that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Not that it's mysterious. It just was being revealed at this time. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, because Christ glorified him, and we would be in him. Look at verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That was his hour to finish everything about us. To deal with anything. Listen, he would deal with anything between the individual and God. He removed all the distance. I don't know, is there any distance between us, who we are in Christ, in our relationship? Is there? Should there be any distance? Because what is distance? What is death? Death is never extinction. It's just separation. You find that word in any dictionary. That's what it is. It's not extinction, okay, at all. It's just separation. I live separated in my relationship. So if you look at John the 13th chapter, look at what Jesus did. And who did he do it for? Who was he doing this for? He's doing it for every one of us. But in this particular case, they were his disciples. After he had done all of this, didn't they all forsake him? In Matthew 26, 56? Didn't Peter follow him afar off on a hill? In Matthew 26, 58, did he not? He did. That's right. And you know we'll follow him afar off. And we'll follow others afar off. But you know what that hill's called? It's called self-preservation. There's areas I want for me. And God, I got no room for you. Christ, I got no room for you. Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Okay. And you know what anger does when it's not dealt with? That's Ephesians 4:26. It says be angry and sin not. You better figure that one out. Be angry but don't do it in sin. Where should we be angry at sin, at, at sin first? Right here. And who's who else's business is it? that's right, period, right, look what he did, having loved his own which were in the world, again, none of it, he loved them unto the end, supper being ended, the devil now being put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simons to betray him, listen, we can never be possessed, the devil can't possess a single believer, he can't touch our position in Christ, that position speaks of our relationship. Our relationship sin can't touch. I'll tell you what it can touch is our experience. And don't think that Satan won't use a believer to accuse another or to condemn, because he will. Especially when we think that we have arrived and others haven't. <laughs> Got to be kidding me. The devil, now being put into the heart, his mind, and his among Judas Iscariot's sons to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. How many things were given into his hands? I don't know. All things? (laughs) And that he was come from God, went to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments. This is a picture of him laying aside his deity, the outward glory. Just incredible. You want to talk about humility? How Christ, God, and humanity is treating sinners. <sighs> is he treating them after their sins? And does he even know what they're going to do before they even do it? And look what he's doing. Huh? He laid aside, right, his garments and took a towel. He's laying aside his outward deity. You, you can't lay aside deity. He could never. He's deity. But he could lay aside the outward manifestation of it. That's why it says in Isaiah 53 and uh, verse 2, there's no beauty in him, no physical beauty in him that we would desire him. So in other words, when you see all those pictures of Jesus, he's got long hair and beautiful. No. It says there was no outward form and beauty that you would desire him. It would come from within. You'd see his beauty, his heart. Right? Right? He took a towel. He wrapped himself in humanity in John 1 verse 14 and girded himself. And then he began to pour water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. What's that a picture of? You know, we get dirty feet. We walk here. Our sins are already paid for, but our feet get dirty. And you know, what does he do? What does he do when we have dirty feet? I don't know. What should you and I do when someone else does? Another believer. What should we do? judge them, censor them, condemn them, put them on probation, exalt myself above them. Now we know why it's nonsense, right? He began to wash their feet and, and wipe them with a towel. What a picture. Then he came to Simon Peter and said unto Peter and unto him, Lord, and Peter said, wow, what are you doing? I don't... Do I need correction? Do I need my feet washed? (laughs) Not me! (laughs) I don't know, you know anyone like that? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I I do you know not now, but you will know hereafter. You'll see what I'm going to do on the cross for you. You'll see my love poured out. Do you know when they took the spear of the Roman when he was hung on the cross? And when they took the spear in John 19, 34, stabbed it in the side, you know what came out? Water and blood. We need two things. His blood paid for all our sins and cleansed us once and for all. Now we need that water to cleanse our feet. That's what it's talking about here and bringing out beautifully. You will know hereafter. Peter said unto him, you will never wash my feet. Boy, he was something, wasn't he? Yeah, he was something. Whoa. Peter, hey, (laughs) wash their feet, (laughs) not mine, really. (laughs) Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, listen, if I wash you not, your feet, you have no part with me. Oh, Lord. Simon Peter said unto him, not my feet only, but my hands, my head. In other words, do it all over again. Some think that they... They can lose their salvation. You can't. You didn't play any part in it. And it was of grace in Ephesians 2, 8. <laughs> and not of yourselves. Not, not, it's a gift of God. Not of works, so Else any man should boast. Because we're his workmanship. You see that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And the reason we give the Scriptures is because it's the Word of God. And we know through the Scriptures exactly how who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and who we are. It's very important, you know. And that's why children go to school and have books to learn. Things of nat- natural things, these are spiritual things. Very important. Right? And then Peter said to him that. And he said, No, he that is washed in verse 10 doesn't need to, only thing he needs washes his feet. That's what he needs. You know what? When we forgive each other, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. We're realizing that Jesus, okay, is what? Does he wash? Should we wash one another's feet? In other words, in terms of forgiveness? Are we already forgiven? Do we have to? Some think they have to pray for forgiveness. doesn't say that. No, it doesn't say that for believers. We don't pray for forgiveness. We confess we're forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. And I'm going to, I am going to, this is three strikes, you're out. The final close. Here, Ephesians chapter four, I'll read, I'll let the word speak for us, right? Ephesians chapter four, and it's very interesting how it flows. Ephesians chapter four, look what it says. Verse 26, listen, Ephesians 4, 26. I'm gonna read it, the scriptures. They can speak and I'm gonna stop. And you guys can hold me to it. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. When I don't forgive, when I'm so angry, I don't forgive, and everything it now becomes about me and my anger. What am I? Who am I giving place to? The devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Look at verse twenty-nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. Okay, where does goodness come from? Do we have any in us outside of Christ? Okay, so when I function inside, outside of him and I go to someone else, if I don't have his goodness, what do I have? I have flesh. No. <laughs> to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Why? Because if I don't operate that way, I grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I grieve God. Whereunto you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness, how much? Because if I don't deal with bitterness, what happens to bitterness when it turns, anger, when I don't deal with anger, be ye angry and sin not, right? Ephesians four twenty-six. it becomes bitterness, it turns in, and then it affects and, and infects and spreads to everybody. That's Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Okay? Let all bitterness, and by the way, just think of how God, how patient God was us. was with us, in terms of our behavior and our growth. And, And again, he's in control, okay? The only one that's in control of us and the only one that's in control of this local assembly is Christ, not the pastor, not anybody. And by the way, the pastor's not above anybody or below anybody, he is the same as them, period. Christ is our authority. That needs to be up here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Look up the word malice. Maybe something malice is maybe something's true about that person, but you know what? It may be true, but I'm gonna use it because I want to injure them and hurt them. You ought to look it up. I'm just going into it in a little bit of detail right now. Okay? And the opposite of this is verse 32. And be you kind one to another. Where does kindness flow from? God's love. Yeah. Right? You tell me when he doesn't love us. He do not love my sin, but that's not who I am. He doesn't treat me after it. Stop treating each other after that. And stop being a, being your own scholar and your own interpreter of the word of God. Where is that convicting to me? <laughs> I love conviction. Okay. Be you kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And then this goes with it Be you therefore followers of God as dearly beloved children, the original says, and walk in love. Let love be the government that you walk under. Right And walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. I can show up in the flesh. And let me tell you, I don't know about you, but I know about my flesh, it stinks. <laughs> and you don't want to be around sniffing that. Hopefully it's love for all of us. Because we're one, and we didn't even get into John 17. Uh, John 17, 11, 21, and 22, that they may be one as we are one. And when you're one, nothing can come between. No air can come between us. He loves us, does he not? He loves everybody in this room. Thank God that none of us are our sins. And thank God he never removes his eye from who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.